All right. Pitter patter. Let's get at her. Welcome to the Autopod Decepticast, your bi-weekly podcast delivering an episode-by-episode breakdown of the original G1 series. This is our episode number 110, and today we're going to be covering Divide and Conquer, episode number 6 of the Transformers G1 series. And I'm your host, Aaron, and I'll be moderating this episode, and with me are two men who, well, let's just say they're the the rice to my roni, the the riga to my Tony, the cheese to my macaroni, the chili onions to my coney, the wonder bread to my bologna, paprika to my pepperoni, the Shetland to my pony, the testa to my moni, and the zam to my bony, the Walkman to my Sony. That's really enough of that. Who the fuck are you guys? I'm Ryan. That was awesome. I love that. Yeah, I'm Caleb. I can take more of that. Oh, okay. <laughs> I can right. that all day. <laughs> Certainly a better reception than some of these that I... That I've received. <laughs> uh, getting uh, right into uh, our world, we went into great depth last time we spoke about our Patreon that's out there, but I wanted to just do another quick. We've got several levels with several different enjoy uh, levels of enjoyment you might receive, uh, depending on how much you might want to support. So go out there, check it out. Ryan, what is that uh, location? Patreon.com slash ApodDcast. Right. And we do, we're do we recording this a month in advance, so for those of you who in between now, where this is Labor Day weekend, um, who pledge, we, you, you will be on episode 111 or 112. Yes. Speaking of in-betweeners, uh, we did get one new donation in between our last recording session and this one. Uh, another one that seems to have some relation to you, Mr. A S- Jeremy G. Jet? Who who is that person? That is my brother. My is that person brother. related to the uh, the UFC fighter Ryan Jet by any chance? I yeah, that's that must be it. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's my younger brother. Um, and I again, it's unclear whether he is a pl- patron of of the podcast or just like a one time donation and doesn't. Like it will be canceled. I, I'm not sure, but shouts right. out to him. Yeah. Anyway, who definitely your family, definitely your, doesn't listen. Your family is really coming through on. They're this. making up about like a third <laughs> right That's now awesome. as a patron. It's awesome. So it's either a five dollar or a sixty dollar donation. More to come who on knows? that one. Who knows? Either way, I I, I do want to quickly shout out the goals and just remind everybody for we have an awesome uh, booty box at the five and ten dollar levels where we'll be we will be sending artwork and different trinkets of our creation to the group annually but to unlock that goal we've got to get 25 patrons so far we're at seven and which is pretty good for a week it yeah, is actually really i'm really we're proud, of, proud of the of the community for helping us out thank you thank the community for helping us out so definitely please uh pump it up to get to that 25 dollar level so we can start producing right that. yep all right moving on before we before we get into the episode proper here ryan is uh, starting a new tradition here at the autopod decepticast by which he uh, creates <laughs> creates a new custom episode themed cocktail and mm-hmm. these episodes are inspired by 
by the book. I believe it's called Jigger Beaker and Glass. Yes, uh, from like the twenties or something. It's what? from the tu- around the turn of the century. Okay. Uh, published in nineteen thirty nine. Okay. Caleb got it for me for my birthday. This uh, this segment is really just an excuse to make drinks from yep. this and to, to fuel my continued slip into alcoholism. Yep. Um, slip. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's generous. I guess just like quagmire of alcoholism. Sure. This is the Cosmotron Champagne Cocktail. Nice. And the Cosmotron is the MacGuffin for this episode. And like all MacGuffins, it's never explained. It has no meaning in and of itself. And much like this cocktail choice. We've okay. got to tie, tie it in somehow. <laughs> and right. For those of you who don't know, a MacGuffin is basically just a device to move the plot forward. Like the Maltese mm-hmm. Falcon or uh, the briefcase in Pulp Fiction. Um, the, today's beverage, it's in, uh, endemic of the drinks in this book in and of it's needlessly complicated. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll just read from the book right here. Um, champagne cocktail number three in the charming style of the jockey club in Rio de Janeiro. Choose a large champagne cocktail glass, champagne cocktail glass inside of this build a tower of four ice cubes. Crown it with a lump of sugar saturated with four dashes of orange bitters. Against the side of the glass, lean two sticks of ripe fresh pineapple, encircle the tower with a spiral of green lime peel, and fill with well-chilled champagne. Medium dry, not too Aston type. Now as a crowning gesture, carefully float one tablespoon of control. Which is triple sec, basically. Which is uh, also an orange liqueur. Yes. All right. Can we drink it yet? Yep. Let's try it. Cheers. Cheers. To to this stupid episode. (laughs) (laughs) Once again. Fruity. Very refreshing. Clean. Yeah, Yeah. it is. It's a very, it's a good summer drink. I like there's some sugar at the bottom. Yeah, the sugar just kind of makes a pile at the bottom. I like the I like the uh, the the slide how you've sliced everything to put in here too really good. I got so angry trying to make these lime like the lime peels as long as I could. Yeah, and uh, man, I was mad last night. <laughs> they look great. Well, you did good. It's hard to believe in the '30s they had such access to lime and, and uh, pineapple. I, well, it was thing. it was I, also Rio de Janeiro. Yeah. So, and I really think that like to your point, Aaron, uh, to make a drink like this, say in you know. Outside of a tropical area, mm-hmm. like to, to have a fruit in a drink was probably something that was harder. Pretty exotic. Absolutely. Pretty exotic. Mm-hmm. And like, I, I, if you have read stuff where it's like people were amazed when bananas made the yeah. trip to America. Yeah. I'm sure this was an expensive drink for the Absolutely. fact that like they had to acquire this and, you know, they, they didn't get rotten fruit. They had to, like, right. it was expensive. So, yeah, um, kudos to them. Good drink. Mm-hmm. Nice pick. Once again, called the. Uh, the Cosmotron Champagne Cocktail. Sweet. All right. Let's do a quick last episode recap. Mm-hmm. We we realized that antimatter isn't a very good plot device <laughs> for world domination. And and that's all I'm going to say about that. We, that brings us to our episode six, <laughs> Divide and Conquer, originally broadcast October 20th, 1984. For. And we kick things off at, guess what? Another goddamn factory. Yeah. This and episode is almost a copy-paste. It, it's And it's like, they're always in the middle of the desert. <laughs> also, we do, though, kick off with a sweet-ass Victor Caroli voiceover. Factories are busy manufacturing weapons to be used against the greatest threat the world has ever known. Evil, super-powerful robots. Decepticon. If you can use your computer, yeah, that's true. we do, we do get that. That's a little a little bonus. R- Caleb, would you say that maybe deserts are just easier to animate? 
<laughs> yes. Uh, that was some. Yeah, thank you, Aaron. I, I am curious about that. The the choice the choice of I either think they're easier to animate mm-hmm. uh, or, or just background painting or that or they're like somehow that's how um, the Asian animators pictured American United States like yeah. the old West cowboys kind of, guns. maybe maybe yeah. so um, it is true that it's easier to just do beiges I think as a yeah. background uh, animation. Um, also, I think that just their uh, their topics, their subject matter, probably just sticks out better in a desolate environment. Right. You can see the transformers Pops. well. It's flat, and then there's a building. That's right. <laughs> this building is not manufacturing energy like the previous ones, but uh, rather weapons. And yeah. the Doogie Hauser of Weapons Engineering, Chip Chase, seems to be well, employed by this facility to increase their manufacturing output. Before even that. I love the poster of Megatron where it says our enemy. Yeah. <laughs> that certainly has been made a poster, right? Like that must exist. If not, we're definitely doing that. Yeah, we should. I, yeah, absolutely. We got that. You heard absolutely. it here first. Absolutely we should. Maybe it that d- maybe that'll be included in a Patreon booty box. Or all of, uh, whenever we go to TFCon, maybe that'll be some part of our new thing. Have you done anything on the Starscream poster? I've had a lot going on, Ryan. I know. We're all busy. We had a Patreon page to get up. Everything is... And now we have content that we have to We have to generate. That's right. For for TFCon. The the poster, like, did make me think of the extremely, in hindsight, inappropriate poster in our eighth grade history class of Saddam Hussein with a big target over his head. Like, before Operation Desert Storm. That doesn't belong in school. No! But I remember seeing it. This is the Gulf War in 1991. America was so horny for a good war. I haven't had one in a while. No, not since World War II. Uh, Vietnam, Brian. No, that wasn't a good war. I'm saying a good war. World War II was the last good war we had. I understand. Like, a positive right. feeling war. I understand, yes. Also, <laughs> Korea came out. Came yeah, that wasn't too. a good war either. That was, no. That was a forgotten war. Yeah, it wasn't even a war. We never even declared war. Right. It was a police action. That's right. Was the Gulf War, is that considered a good war? It, yeah, it was over in like three days. The, yeah, they call it like the 100 we, hours we won. war. Yeah. The, it was... <laughs> It was like you could barely get the posters of Saddam Hussein produced in time to yeah, finish I mean, the a, war. Honestly, a lot of the Iraqis didn't even know they were fighting Americans. They thought it was just an extension of the Iraq-Iran war. Hmm. By the way, see the movie Three Kings. That's a great, great it's a movie. It's a fantastic movie. The poster of Megatron. I mean, this is a private enterprise here. The poster of Megatron on the wall. This is a weapons facility that I believe exists solely to make weapons to fight Decepticons. I guess. So it kind of makes sense that they, I guess, would have their objective slathered on a wall on on top of some readout circuitry type panels. But uh, as I was saying, Chip Chase... He, he, he's working here. He's, mm-hmm. hang, he's hanging out with, uh, I guess, the plant manager. And his job is to increase their manufacturing output. And guess what? The Decepticons already know about this facility. And uh, <laughs> they uh, blast their way in. There's a bit here where the, the, the guards change into hard hat like oil workers. They initially are shown with baseball caps in like military gear. The next thing where they're shooting at the Seekers, they are in hard hats, hard hats <laughs> and white shirts. Uh, it takes several uh, destructive, ridiculous animation and vocal fuck-ups. Oh, God. But by the end of that string of, of, of mishaps, they've taken over this facility, or, or nearly taken over this it's, facility. It's, it, this must be the densest collection of animation slash voiceover fuck-ups 
in the whole series. At least what we've seen. Starscream teleports and speaks in three different voices. Supposed to be Skywarp. Again, Mm. the identical seeker models are a huge problem. I mean, it's... (laughs) It's so crazy. And then, like, Skywarp becomes Thundercracker for a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's a, a mess. Mani- it almost feels on purpose. It's it's a- <laughs> well, again, like, like if, if you were to create a modern-day Transformers cartoon that was based and, and inspired by G1, you would probably put animation errors in there on purpose <laughs> as a wink and a nod to the original I would, series. Yeah. It feels like that <laughs> level of... Well, bad. and again, at this, they're, they're like... It's so hard. Like they're they're. <laughs> yeah. We just watched a scene where Thundercracker fired at some pipes that I guess are containing energy, energy. Yeah. and then another Thundercrapper crapper. <laughs> yeah, I would say that. I would say that is accurate. And then Thundercrapper spontaneously uh, warps into scene here to take over the task of collecting that energy. And but of course we know that, But of course we know that Skywarp's power, and we should see Skywarp. Holding a an energon cube I, under this pouring. I think the animators are doing their best to keep up with the direction that they're getting. That, Wait, I mean, what? I'm, now what happens? I'm sure they must be working under a deadline. Also, like the again, why make three characters look identical? And have to know how to color them. Like, at least give them different heads. I, I completely understand how that is a got to be a pain in the ass. But at, at this point, we've got Chip Chase well, isn't recognized by the Decepticons. He makes a call uh, to Autobot headquarters. Ryan, what were you going to say? I was just going to say, and I know the reason is because TV show, but why don't they just build a factory? Why don't the Decepticons just build their own factory? Like, they built this huge underwater base, they built a space bridge, just build a refinery. It seems like a good scheme would be, hey, let's get, let's steal all the proprietary knowledge about Earth's various yes, right. energy manufacturing methods, rubies, oil, <laughs> As we all know, rubies and let's build are a the super best. factory that harnesses, you know, harnesses all of it, almost like Autobot City does at mm-hmm. the beginning of Transformers the movie. Absolutely. Uh, back at Autobot headquarters, uh, we're at the site of a volcano. There's woods. Uh, <laughs> we see something other than desert. And... Pine trees. Thank God. <laughs> Ironhide is uh, Skyping with Optimus Prime, and mm-hmm. Prime is hunting out. He's out hunting space bridges. <laughs> all, all of a sudden, we get Chip's reception. Autobots, transform and meet me there. Yes. Another we still haven't Prime gotten, line. We still haven't gotten to the line that will become... Does he ever say transform and roll for it? Because that is now a line that is does exist, but like... Well, I think the line is actually transform and roll out. Yes, that's what I meant. Transform yeah. and roll out. But like... Well, that won't be our last uh, version of this in this episode. <laughs> he's working. He's working on it himself. He's yeah. like, he's it's a process. Yeah, he's it's probably his, got a list. And meet me there. He's like, all right. He's, at, he's back at, at the art. Right, transform and meet me there. I'm gonna drop a pin. This is where I'll be. Yeah. Back at the weapons factory, the Decepticons have drawn as much energy as possible from a place that's job is not to produce energy. Right. And while communicating the results of his his success with Megatron remotely. Uh, Optimus Prime shows up to crash the party. Uh, no other Autobots there to support him. This, and also when Prime comes in, he has this weird streamlined alt mode, which looks more like a, like later, later Cybertronian toys of him, where it's like his, his cab is like canted at a 45 degree angle in the front. Does he, we're, we're going to see here in a second as the screen 
action progresses <laughs> is it almost like a wedge to help him bust through a wall or no something? no no it's right here there oh, yeah. yeah i wonder if it was meant to indicate he's moving really fast i think it was just another like i think oh, it's just, i don't know it's just off i think it's just an off model animation but again i mean it's one drawing too. to the That's point the of this being a copy paste of the last episode now we, again we still have the seekers fighting prime like right. added fucking energy i will have to hand like again i said this incorrectly last uh last time this is where starscream uh does a really good job of just aiming and shooting optimus and just shooting him and blasting him into a wall yeah that's actually a really cool sequence. It is. He hits him. <laughs> I mean, it flies into a wall. Uh, Megatron, who is still, by the way, able to see all this action taking place, he orders the Seekers. He's like, look, there's one Prime, there's three of you. Fuck him up. Yep. And, and gang up. And But the Decepticons do not really gang No, up. they don't do... They do the opposite where it's attack individually is what they think right. gang up means. It's like, I, it's like professional wrestling. Yes, it is. It is. It is. Yeah. It is. Well, not Unless breaking uh, kayfabe here. Uh, Thundercracker, he fires some missiles from his uh, wrist, Wrong again. Uh, I guess, or from his forearms, which Optimus Prime is able to take out with his uh, blaster his here. Rifle. Then we've got Skywarp, who fires a single missile that uh, Prime is able to dodge, but thank I- God we've got Chip Chase here to tell him, hey... So it, it looks like it reminded me of the heat seeking the homing missiles in um, Twisted Metal. It looks just like them. Oh man, I missed that game. Ah, that's a great series. Why don't we play video games? Do you guys play video games still? Nope. Um, I mostly play Nintendo games. Vintage yeah. Nintendo. Yep. I only play one game. There's only one game for me. Oh, is it? Uh, what is it? It's Romance of the Three Kingdoms. I don't know why I was thinking Hearts of the Kingdom, but yeah, Romance of the Three Kingdoms. That's the only game for me. Homing missile flips around. Prime, not really a big deal at all. Just all you got to do is like brace yourself with your forearm and uh, pop I think he that just thing, deflects it, yeah. deflects it into the air. Starscream takes a uh, a dive at uh, at Optimus Prime, which causes him to drop his rifle. His rifle hits the ground. <sighs> blaster goes off. Hits the supercomputer, so which is dumb. apparently loaded with some sort of explosive energy. I was going to say, it must be made of, like, gasoline and oily rags. Right. Because I don't think computers just blow like no. that. They would just be damaged and stop working. <laughs> yes. it's made a, it's, they built this whole thing out of oil cake. <laughs> <laughs> Good call back, Caleb. Well, that energy that they're soaking up has to be coming from somewhere. I um, would also say, as we're about to see, where Prime puts himself in harm's way to control the blast, why not just... Like maybe cover the humans. Cover the humans. Yeah. Do what do what Bumblebee does and transform over the top of them. Yeah. Well, that's not what he does. To protect <laughs> the humans from the explosion, he co- like just kind of slays his of body it. over the top of the pulsating uh, supercomputer, which explodes and severely injures him. And in his weakened state, Ugh. this is the Seeker's opportunity to throw all their blaster power at them. Still plenty of rocks that could have, like, cracked some humans' heads from that explosion. Yeah, they, they fuck them up here. Pro, Spike, he tries to get uh, Optimus's gun. Optimus gets fucked up this episode. Oh, yes, way so more much. than when he rolled down the hill. And yeah. as we'll see in just a little bit, 
has he gets, no trouble transforming, but he gets fucked up to a level that it is very surprising <laughs> that he's still alive after, after each sequence ends. After each it, sequence ends, every each time it yeah, reminds me of Naked Gun where Norbert keeps getting messed <laughs> yeah. up at the beginning of the movie. I mean, I don't know if we can talk about OJ Simpson. He is a free man. He's all over the Twitter. We should we follow OJ. I'm not talking Twitter. about OJ. I'm talking about his character. Naked Gun. Watch Norbert. that movie. It has a murderer yeah. in it. Yes, that, it does. <laughs> that sequence. Yeah, and where he hits. Like uh, he like touches like a hot stove, yeah. and he, well, he gets shot up. Yeah, he touches a hot stove. Yeah. He like slips I, on a banana peel. It's so His face ends up in a wedding cake yeah. for no reason. <laughs> heroin, Frank. Heroin, heroin. That's a pretty tall order, Nordberg. I love you. I love you. I love you too, Nordberg. <laughs> I that's not. It's unfortunate because O.J. Simpson is a very charming actor. Like he. Well, he. he I. In that role, he's just kind of a dunce, and you can just like get behind it. Mm. I, I don't look at him movie. as a dunce. I look at him as a person where the bad things just happen to. Him. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> <laughs> I think I would love to see bad things continue to happen to him. Maybe as uh, restitution for his uh, his double <laughs> double homi- murder, double homicide. They should have O.J. Simpson reenact in real life all, all of that. the painful <laughs> things that happened to him in the Naked Gun. But you know, but it causes do- real pain. It's not acting. Exactly. Did you, have you seen he does like he did like a prank show? I heard about that, and I can't believe it existed. Yeah, and but, what was but it they're not like really jokes or something. Yes, like it's like that. something like that. But it's not really a prank show. It's more of just like like him being in the world. Like he just, it's like he's on a golf course and he walks up and like, hey, I'm O.J. Simpson. Or like you're you're going through a fast food drive through and it's like, oh, I'm getting a burger from a murderer. Yeah, if you're OJ, you should wear a glove every time you introduce yourself. Oh my to somebody. god! <laughs> and just give him a wink. Uh, but, it doesn't, but the glove doesn't quite fit. I am shocked he does not sell tiny gloves with his signature on it. Oh man! Wow. That Copy, man. Copyright that. Oh, there's no reason we can't sell tiny gloves with OJ's fake signature. No, we on can it. totally do. Let's that. put that in the store. Yeah. Autopod Decepticast OJ gloves. <laughs> That's is that in poor shelf. taste? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, okay, so where are we? <laughs> I don't know anymore. <laughs> what what we've seen happen here is that Optimus Prime has been very damaged. Megatron commands the Seekers to grab whatever energy they can, yes, which they do. They cram into their guts. They transform and fly, <laughs> fly off. over the Autobots. <laughs> Just as the rest of the Autobots, Bumblebee, Trailbreaker, <laughs> uh, Wheeljack, Wheeljack, they arrive. Oh, and wait, Ironhide. Wait, wait what? <laughs> and I- Ironhide wants to give chase. Uh, but you know what? He can. They gotta help Optimus. He's you know. Hopefully, he can be repaired because oh. parts replacement. This, when, when Optimus essential. when when Optimus gets injured, does somehow he automatic defaults to just partial incomplete? I wrote senses. that too. I wrote that too. Where it's like mobility limited. Part replacement essential. Where I'm like, this bugs me because I feel like it's in a lot of like cartoons and like even maybe movies where it's like, I've been hurt and sick, but I'd never lose the ability to say nouns or like. I might start using. I might start just doing that when yeah. I get sick. I omit grammar. I wonder if the Need idea more. behind that is because they're robots, and so does somehow them being injured revert them to some 
primordial robotic it, nature like, of them where well, they're not as it's like an where they're not as you're right, uh, Prime does it here and, the, and then Bumblebee does it again later in the episode. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Failed or something like that. <laughs> Fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. The Autobots at this point tow their leader back to Autobot mm-hmm. headquarters for Wheeljack to work on him. He and actually he, drives himself out of the facility, but then we do a cut him. and the, you see like Trailbreaker towing Ironhide, trailer, <laughs> it's Ironhide <laughs> Ratchet yeah. also. And then finally they're towing Optimus at the end. The music here, to me, it sounds like it should be over a film noir like detective doing a voiceover about like a dropper and how like a blind tiger is like supplying him with liquid cur- Courage. L- listen to it. <laughs> He's gotta make it. I don't know. He got hit real bad. Hey, lighten up, you guys. Optimus is gonna pull through. Oh, yeah. It's very saxophony. Yeah. Is this music? <laughs> Thank you, Caleb. The uh, Seekers return to the Decepticons' underwater city base. Starscream mm-hmm. is utterly convinced of Prime's death, but Megatron isn't so sure. Can you can you guarantee his laser core was extinguished? Which is interesting. I wonder if that is kind of the first reference to a, what would maybe be a spark as we talk about mm-hmm. the Transformers' life essence. Laserbeak is ejected and commanded to discover Optimus Prime's true uh, medical status. This is weird because Laserbeak, it, Megatron acts like Laserbeak doesn't want to go. Yeah. And it's the one rare part where we see like Laserbeak tr- like cowardly, which right. it does say in his profile, in his tech specs, that he is. But like, it's just weird. It's just Yeah, weird they never detail. indicate that he's cowardly ever. He's no. usually yeah, actually he, pretty he cl- gung-ho. He clearly, yeah. he clearly is perched on Megatron's arm and goes... Uh, uh. He, is, uh, he, he is so brazen that he will attack Bumblebee, Chip, and Spike for no reason at all in mm-hmm. a previous episode. I like uh, Megatron. I've got it paused at 620 here, and we see Laserbeak perched on Megatron's forearm. And look at Megatron's puny little his, ooh, arm cannon there. Yeah, there's a lot of like his his especially the end of the cannon, the the the, the end of the fusion cannon. Yeah, where that's what it's I'm talking about. Very changeable. Like in the last episode, I didn't call it out, but there's a, that segment where he has he loads the energon, uh, the antimatter energon cubes into his chest. The the cannon is like an inch long. It almost looks like. That would be when he's an adapter, like he's trying to be more precise. Mm-hmm. So he has like to whenever his Prime name. dials his cannon in like yeah. episode four. Yeah, yeah, that's what it is. That's totally. <laughs> what it is. So Laserbeak flies to the Autobot volcano base and hitches a ride on Bronze Fucking Shoulder to this sneak is so into the base. dumb. This is so dumb. Also, we have a rare, like, really cl- good close-up of, uh, I don't know if it's Thundercracker or Skywarp. It was Skywarp. Uh, thank you. Uh, his face, it was pretty good. It was yeah. a pretty good close-up. But then, yeah, yes, uh, he, Laserbeak transforms into his tape mode and lands on Braun's shoulder to get penetration into the Autobot base. It's so fucking He dumb. goes in through the top of the volcano, which I don't know if we've established whether or not this volcano is active or not. Does that come it, into play Well, it's there? active. It it's, was active at one point in time because we saw it explode. I would say in the first it's extinct. But it has to be active at some point because the activation of the of the volcano is what woke up the Autobot, or what woke up Teletrain oh. 1. Well, fuck. All right, well, I don't know that he could just fly in through the top of that thing. But some, In fact, it seems like 
the Autobots that are entering the base, which is uh, it's weird, Wind yeah. Charger and Brawn and I believe, uh, is that Gears? Gears. Um, they're going in through the front entrance. <laughs> which and, seems to be recessed now. It's like not... I, think it's I don't a, know. I think it's a different entrance. Maybe it is. Maybe. Internally, yeah. Uh, so, okay. Short story long. Laserbeak is on his shoulder. He's walking into the, uh, the headquarters. We transition to a scene of Ratchet and Wheeljack, forever forever partners here, and they're working on Optimus Prime. Mm-hmm. The team, uh, inclusive of Braun, walks into the room... Laserbeak at this point just hops off his shoulder, transforms <laughs> into blasted. Oh, and no, we have no, a new. Not, not quite yet. He oh, yeah. he. Act, before he does that, he jumps on top oh, a of, different a, of a rock. Yes. And instead of a camera coming out of his head, out of like I guess the air intake of his engines yeah. on his wings. We he's, have a new. He's got cameras everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> Laserbeak is just cameras all the way down. Yeah. <laughs> we well, we should keep watching and see how this uh, takes. Proceeds over time. Mm-hmm. But, like a, a nice supercut would be all of Laserbeak's cameras. Yes, we I, need to do a supercut. I'd, I'd love to cameras. see a, a masterpiece Laserbeak where you can actually add all of the camera attachments to. That would be amazing. Is there a master? There are masterpiece tapes, right? There is a Masterbeak uh, buzzsaw master and Laserbeak. Masterbeak. Master I like that. And both of them have cameras in their head that you can. Noise. It's not. It's not a very robust. Thing, but you just you know get your finger in there and pry it up, and there's mm-hmm. a camera. Nice. There is also a third party that made a actual cassette tape sized version of uh, that. It would be MMC Ocular Max that made, uh, and I don't own it actually. I own the Ocular Max versions of Rumble. They basically make s- more proportionate versions of the tapes. Again, they are. It's the size of the real size cassette of real tapes, tapes, but their transformation is more the size of what they should be. However, so they have the version of that for those guys, but my feeling is the actual masterpiece version is more in correct proportion to gotcha. what Laserback Beak should be. Laserback. I'm Laserback. just making up all the names. <laughs> I, love, I love your, your accidental word beak. salads. Anyway, I haven't bought those because they don't really have a place in my collection, but I kind of want to buy them just to tinker with them. Mm -hmm. Anyway, Laserbeak, camera, out of his air intakes. He's watching, and that means Megatron is watching. He sees what's going on. He knows that Prime is in bad shape, and he gives a command, finish off Optimus Prime. Also, right before that, Huffer, this fucking dildo, he's like... He's doomed, I know it. I can feel it in my data bank. Like, that's not helpful, no. you fucking asshole. Prime, or Spike is crying. Prime, Prime, I'm just gonna die? I'm no. sorry, I don't know why this made me laugh, but when he gets bla- when Optimus gets blasted, it, it, the explosion's so The explosion's really crazy. weird. It's weird, it's weird. It looks like a, a, a 4th of July fountain. Well, it's just molten. Oh my it, it's, god. Uh, so Laserbeak is firing in Optimus Prime's chest. <laughs> it's shocking. Like, it is smoking and firing yes. like a like a 4th of July snake. Yeah, I was like, and, holy shit. And ultimately, it sparks up and explodes. It's, like, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's crazy. Like, and it, by explode, it's molten metal. Yeah, mm-hmm. just flying off of him, and <laughs> it fills up the entire screen. Yeah. And that's when we, we go, go to commercial. To commercial. Like, oh my god! We come back from commercial. The smoke clears. Prime is still flaming. Uh, he's an electro he's sparking. So <laughs> yeah. He's so messed up. Also, like, but, but after everything oh. that happened, strangely enough, when we look at him talk. at 8.13, not only can he still talk, his body really looks fine. It just looks like his chest has been removed. But he 
he should be molten. He, he should be should a be, puddle on the ground. He should be dead. And not to like, obviously, not to call this out um, because but later, but yeah, clearly there's, you know, no matrix. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just to point it out. Not a thing that existed. Of yet. course, of course. In the continuity, what does Prime say? He says, functioning, but energy draining. Yeah, quick. Fast. Yes. Yeah, no shit. This is where Ratchet identifies uh, that he needs an item of some unspecified function called a Cosmotron. You see, I, I, I need to get this part. It's a Cosmotron. Oh, jeez. Oh, no. <laughs> that would be a... <laughs> <laughs> that's 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 better than my note here. That'd be here. a Cosbytron. <laughs> I said he had a, needed an item of unspecified function, but my notes actually say an, an item of unspecified function. <laughs> that's a fun. That's a fun typo. Yes. Here's the deal. Wheeljack has one of these Cosmotrons, but it's in his old workshop on Cybertron. Oh, Cybertron? That's a problem. We don't know where these space bridges are. And it also turns out that the bots are going to need to uh, unlock a, some computerized lock that he just knows the Decepticons have put on his old workshop right. since he's left the planet. Well, presumably they put it there before. Because, like, the Autobots were clearly on the in the pilot episode in dire straits whenever they left the, the Cybertron. So mm-hmm. I assume... That they had locked put on there before, before they left. left. Yeah. Uh, one Which was four million years ago. Yeah. So the bots are going to need to get back to Cybertron, <laughs> unlock unlock that computerized lock on the workshop. Mm. No Autobot is smart enough to crack the lock. Only Chip Chase can do it. You did skate past it, but Caleb and I were both laughing at the part where Ironhide puts his mouth over or puts his, his hand over Hopper's mouth. mouth. Yeah. Shut up, Hopper. <laughs> back to the cons. Megatron and Starscream are arguing about uh, attack strategy. Starscream wants to hit now, but Megatron has other ideas. He gets in touch with Shockwave, who lets Megatron know that there's 72 billion astroseconds from now. I didn't do the math this time. That Space Bridge is going to materialize in a random fucking forest. That's 17... If I'm correct, if it's 17 17 billion astroseconds, a billion astroseconds, from my calculations, I believe, (laughs) equals a day. So that's uh, two weeks, basically. Ryan is the wheeljack of this operation, which means his calculations are going to be off by a day. And dangerous. (laughs) Uh, Chip Chase uh, is doing something that Optimus Prime didn't think to do at this point in the show, which is to leverage the power of Teletran 1, the smartest computing device in the Transformers kingdom, to, (laughs) to guess the next space bridge location. It's just another, like... How do we make these yeah. fuckers get together? <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, tell Trav. And Spike's like, I don't get it. <laughs> You're the smartest man I've ever known, Chip. Meanwhile, we've got Wheeljack and Ratchet. They're still working on parts of Optimus Prime that it makes no sense for them to work. <laughs> 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 Fucking forearm. Fix his wrist. Act, act busy. I'm <laughs> doing something. We uh, get to Starscream, Rumble, and some reflectors. They're putting some finishing touches on the Space Bridge receiver, I guess is what it is. And they they load up a ship with Energon, select an unwilling volunteer in the form of a reflector, and send them off into that intergalactic It's a weird voice that this reflector has. It's very human-like. It's horrifying. It's kind of bad. Yeah, I feel bad for this guy. Yeah. <laughs> 
it's uh no it, man not me i don't want to go and, and it sounds strangely like ratchet some might say because it's the guy yes <laughs> thank you yes yes he just picks them up and sets them in there yeah he's bye bye <laughs> you'll be fine Despite the rumble, anime- literally waves bye bye. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just glad it's not me. <laughs> the despite the animation uh, that clearly shows the ship not being sucked into the wormhole, uh, it shows up on Cybertron. Sure, it drops again. Yeah, it's just from they just reused. They just recycled the animation inappropriately, and Shockwave at this point radios Megatron to him, inform him of the success. Hey, I got your shit, Megatron. <laughs> I got I, your pizza boxes. I really like the idea that Shockwave and this reflector become lifelong friends. They're both just oh, kind of the, so lonely. The forgotten people of the of the team. I do need. I'm. I, I have plans. I, I want to make a graphic of a sound wave or Shockwave like pizza delivery service where it's they they're delivering pizza boxes of Energon. I'm gonna make that. Okay. Well, what's the connection? Uh, because like there's an there's an episode earlier on I think it's four three or four where the oh, like, Soundwave about the pizza boxes. yeah Soundwave's right. literally holding Energon cubes that look like pizza boxes. So I, look forward to that in a year and a half. <laughs> I actually sketched out this idea that maybe I'll produce of uh, uh, it's 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 Soundwave. He has a cube coming out. He'll be pressing down to flatten it, and then the third is him just sleeping on it and ravages next to him. He make because that's cute. Energon pillows. Oh, Transformers fans love cute shit. They do. It's true. They're they're all over cutifying this. And I war. Show. I'm into. I'm into it. We are gonna go back to the Autobots who are approaching the space bridge. This battle is so weird. Uh, Chip and Teletran have located this together. The Decepticons immediately see that Autobots are there. I do like how that tree tracks with the frame. Yeah, (laughs) a little bit of artistic. It's uh, fine, whatever. uh, So reflectors apparently have the ability to shine some bright-ass light. Out of their lens. Which blinds the the team. This goes on to a theme that we've talked about in other times. I think the the purpose of uh, a Transformer and a special ability they have being the opposite of the purpose. Like, well, you... Perceptor can look at micro things, but he also can look at things from far away. In this circumstance, like, the lens of the camera is specifically there to, to take receive things, but it can instead. also output. Yeah, well, again, they're not the things they portray. Sure. They are Here we go. mimicking those things. <laughs> Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> they are mimicking those things, but if they are doing the actual thing that they are supposed to do, aren't they those things? No. Yes. No. Yes, they are. No. Reflector is a robot who is also a camera. Yes, but it doesn't. He can mimic the uh, the the activity of a camera, but it doesn't Look, mean he. There's can't. no reason he shouldn't be able to have other abilities. Absolutely. outside of it. I get. It. <laughs> but are, it is. Are, but it is fight. opposites. <laughs> <laughs> I understand your perspective. Starscream. Uh, so. The Decepticons are fucking shit up, but Starscream gets a very strange command from This Megatron, is so dumb. Which is to uh, let the Autobots win. Let oh, my win. God. I put this in the note where it's like, let the Autobots win. I get that Megatron has a plan, quote unquote, but like the Decepticons were doing really well. Yeah. Like, so you've traded a potential looks like victory for mm-hmm. a possible really convoluted plan victory. Yeah, some might say that that convoluted plan might not be necessary if, <laughs> if you if, win here. If the if they win here. So, yeah, the with that though, uh, Starscream is frozen by uh, Ironhide. 
we he then we've got this, a reflector that's just animation errored out of existence. No, no, no. What happens, and I watched this a couple times. What happens is he is phasing into himself. Like whenever uh, is it Prowl that shoots him? Um, let's see. It's well. I thought it was Blue Streak. It might be Blue Streak. Hang on. Runs in. Blue Streak shoots him. Okay. Yes. Blue Streak shoots reflector. He phases into his copies. Like, like into his brother? Yes. He okay. phases into himself to become one, which I'm like, whoa, that is something we've never... He's like a reverse multiple man from X-Men. I don't know. That's cool. X-Men. I'm well, ashamed. I, multiple man is somebody who, whenever he get, hits himself, he be, he can makes copies of himself. Hmm. Well, Also, he can reabsorb himself, so it's not really reverse. But, like, yeah, I've never seen that where Reflector phases into himself, but that is clearly what is occurring. Then... Rumble, he sort of jumps in the air, and I'm guessing that's a trailbreaker um, force, force shield field, yeah. that just bonks. So uh, they throw the fight. And it's also fun because it is raining in this scene, which is like foreshadowing what's about to happen later. And then Trailbreaker does do the fo- the force field, which is again foreshadowing what's mm-hmm. going to happen in a little bit on Cybertron. Yeah, they didn't make it very evident that there is a no, artistic uh, connection between that. <laughs> I'm really digging deep. <laughs> <laughs> the Autobots drive into the space bridge and get uh, right to riding that beam of light to Cybertron. This is what I'm th- saying. This becomes a thing where, like, Shockwave is constantly, well, I mean, shocked. Uh, who comes through oh, the space yeah. bridge? There's no control Like, they over definitely it. should have built a staging area, yeah. like, with a pen of some kind. Well, and they make such a big deal over the space bridge needing a very precise amount of time to recharge or whatever mm-hmm. to be ready for action. Yeah. But yet these guys can just drive in, activate it, and go. And I feel like Shockwave probably has some known. operational... Uh, influence on operate uh, like, like like I feel like he should push a button to make it work on his end. Yes, I don't know how many of our like uh, listeners have watched Stargate SG One, but it's very Stargate SG One where like they have a <laughs> Stargate is an interdimensional wormhole, but like they on Earth, they're the, the premise of the show. They have an iris you can put over the Stargate, which means people can't come through. It's kind of like it should be like that. And also, though, it, in this in this show, it's basically like Shockwave has a penthouse with an elevator that just is a public elevator that opens yes. up into his penthouse. Yes, he's like, God damn it. So we go to Cybertron. Uh, he and his new best reflector buddy yes. are unloading, uh, I guess, octahedral uh, energon What a cubes. They can be anything. Uh, and But yeah, it's a, a total utter surprise <laughs> that the Autobots are showing up. At the very least, even if he didn't have the control we're talking about it, you'd think Megatron would be like, hey. Hey, BT dubs. <laughs> but... He doesn't, and so we have a little minor battle sequence right. here where they have to uh, throw their energon cubes to the side, shoot some guns. Ironhide, he needs to get out of here. Luckily, there just happens to be this liquid nitrogen uh, backpack on the wall, which he uses to then freeze the wall and then bust out of it. I think in the script that's meant to be his normal powers because Ironhide, as we've seen even in this episode, has nitrogen, like... Cooling so are we saying the animators made a decision on their own to be like, what the fuck? This doesn't make any sense that he'd be shooting nitrogen out of his wrists. Let's Maybe. put a backpack also on the then, wall for them. But also then he just he has sticky powers now. He's like yeah. gross Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah, he yeah, he shoots his web jizz all over the floor. <laughs> and and now Shockwave and the Reflector are stuck and they're give, giving the Autobots the opening to escape. 
from Shockwave's penthouse, which I do like that idea that Shockwave is lonely, but he's also a billionaire. Yes. He's got a penthouse at the top of the tallest building on Cybertron. And he he's no- like what Trump should be. Yeah, but his pen- this Shockwave's penthouse, there's no again, no control who comes in and out of the penthouse, <laughs> which I, I really actually enjoy. Here's that famous scene of him looking like he's dancing, <laughs> but he's, they've used his gift. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and we get to see the Rainmakers. That's right. Uh, so uh, rain. the the Autobots are still in hot water because uh, Megatron has summoned the Rainmakers. They I don't believe they were named this until no, much no, no. later, way late in uh, the canon. But he wants them to create acid rain to destroy the Autobots, which is where they get their names. Fuck, fuck killing the Autobots outside on the other side of the space bridge. yeah we, we have this convoluted plan or, or, or closing the space bridge or telling shockwave to murder them like right apart like the elevator door hey, is going to open what you should do they is come shoot and... all of them to death but i want you to be ready for it right and uh, that's um uh the acid storm is the green one ion storm is the blue one and nova storm is the yellow seeker uh, that's different from uh what uh i've heard why <laughs> I, I, the yellow one is Sunstorm. That's a different guy. Is it? Yeah. They're two different guys. You know what you got to do? You got to put more than just Rainmakers. <laughs> in, in, in Into your, Google. In your Google Into the Google. Acid Storm, Ion Storm, Nova Storm. Okay, good for you, Ryan. You're right. I'm wrong. Yeah, well, uh, well, we were wrong actually. Whenever we did the first episode, the the the, the more than meets the eye episode one, because um, Sunstorm is the one. Who comes out of that, or I think that's his name, who is in that one, but it's not the same guy who becomes um, uh, Nova Storm. In the, um, not the IDW comics, rather, the Dreamwave comics that preceded IDW, Sunstorm is a character, but he is a clone of Starscream that gets even crazier and more maniacal. That's fun. You know. As I, I texted this to you guys, too, but, like, I've been listening to the TFU, and they're, they're he's on the episode, season three episodes, and I'm like, I can't wait till we get there. I wish they're so bonkers. Part of the reason that I did not want to do an episode-by-episode episode thing and rather pick and choose crazy episodes was because I really just want to get, get to season, season three, three. <laughs> so badly. <laughs> but now it just I'm just gonna have to be edged. I'm just on just edged this whole just time milk. until you finally <laughs> until you finally release me on season three. Mm-hmm. All right, the Autobots they get to Wheeljack's uh, old workshop, and I love how Chip's just like, "There's one more thing I can try." And it works. Like well, you've just tried every button. Well, he's yeah. he's thinking like, all right, how did how did we get in the old base? Oh yeah, we just hit three buttons. Yes, and the door opens. Yeah. Two nine five or whatever. Yeah. yeah, it is a big deal that they made him out to be such a genius, and that's why they needed him to get in the workshop. But sure. it just, just seems like he's randomly Beep, bop, boop. hitting buttons. Mm-hmm. And also, he's like, uh, I can only try one last thing. Well, it's always the last thing you try. Of course, it's always in the last place you look because you stop looking. That's right. You don't need to do anything. Ah, dad jokes. Wherever you go, there you are. <laughs> Harry Carey. Ironhide enters the workshop, grabs the gadget. Apparently, he needed, that was fast. I like how he needed uh, headlights on his head, on his eyes. To see it because you think that they would have some sort of like just vision. Night his tits should be the headlights. Like they're literally. It's coming out Headlights. of his, coming out of his nippies. Look yeah. at these like cool clouds on Cybertron. Yeah, this is the first time we see an atmosphere. Also, by the way, Chip Chase can breathe on Cybertron. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. sure. so it must have an oxygen atmosphere. And, yeah, and also Chip Chase is impervious to acid rain. Yeah, this 
episode and the movie Scrooged really skewed my version of what Acid Rain was. I was going to say the same thing. I, I didn't know if it was the movie Scrooge. I feel like Acid Rain, along with Quicksand, was yes. one of those things yes. that was like was a tr- childhood fear that that's not never real. really makes sense. <laughs> or did, yeah. It made sense as a child. Oh, Acid Rain, I'll get melted. Quicksand, sucked right in. Mm-hmm. But it's, because quicksand, the reality of those things just isn't. As long, like, Quicksand's not really a threat. Like, you're th- you have, it's a threat of, like, you starve to death or, or die of dehydration because you can sink in it but you can't sink under your face mm-hmm. because it's buoyancy and then acid rain is just acidic rain it's only dangerous for the environment it's back to the quicksand thing. quicksand is also not as fast as no uh, as pe- it seems like in the, in the like 50s three movies. steps in and you're halfway in it's not like that uh, Thanks, but, Princess Bride. <laughs> that's but that's not quick. Oh, that was lightning sand. What yeah, was it? Lightning right. sand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm, that's right. Yep. Chop a vine. Hop in. Save what about girl. their RUSs? Roads, roads of usual signs. signs? I don't, I don't think, think they, they exist. exist. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> They walk out of the workshop. The rainmakers have seeded the clouds that exist on Cybertron with the acid. with whatever it takes to make this acid rain happen. We see this barrage of laser-fied acid rain hitting mm-hmm. the ground. We we see that the, the Autobots and maybe I guess all Transformers are susceptible. I guess so. To this, you can't. If put it, it hits our circuits, it's a problem. And they are immobilized. And as we go to commercial, we understand that they have. Failed. Yep. Yeah, they have. They, they, are, they have really accepted defeat. Quickly. Yeah, they just lie down. They just lie down immediately. Right? I'm glad. I'm fight. glad the Bumblebee was able to set Chip down instead of just dropping him. <laughs> land on top of him. <laughs> Here's a question: Why didn't they just duck into the workshop? Autobots are not very intelligent. They're not very good at their job. They're not... Well, and here's how I frame it. They're not warriors. They're forced into the role of warriors. Mm -hmm. Like, they they don't want to be... As a non-warrior, you'd think they'd know how to sheepishly take shelter. Right. Well... They lost the war on Cyber... You can see right here, here's a snapshot of why they lost the war on Cybertron pretty quick. So we see all the crew. They're struggling. They're they're zip zapping from this acid rain, just hitting them. And then we've got just poor Chip Chase sitting out there getting he's wet, sitting and oh. and I guess is he getting wet? Well, he's getting he, hit with acid rain. It's is a, it? Should we? Do we look at it as literal rain? Whatever it is, it doesn't impact him. Yes, right. it doesn't affect organic. Presumably, it does not affect organic matter. So it must be some kind of like electronic issue, but. It does seem to be rain because it's coming from a cloud. And, and, <laughs> I and, don't and, know, man. If it's, and if it's, <laughs> and if it's, if it's not, <laughs> if it's wet, he should be uh, like sopping soggy hair. If like, if not, his circuits sizzling. Maybe it's electronic rain. I <laughs> electronic <laughs> rain. That's a good. That's falls good. down on the cybertronic plane. Is that a chocolate rain reference? Yes. We're digging way into the old school memes here at the Autopilot. Hello, 2002. <laughs> okay, uh, we're back. Megatron is feeling pretty cocky at this point. Starscream wants to attack while the advantage of that is theirs, and Megatron agrees. It's so cute. Also, like, Starscream... It's so cute. Well, oh, Adorable. In a, in a second, but, like, Starscream does this thing where his fist glows... 
Like, <laughs> like he has the glow from The Last Dragon, which is in my top five favorite movies of all time. And I just re- have you guys seen the movie? Sorry to interrupt you. No, it's so good. Like it is, um, uh, Lakeith Stanfield and Tessa Thompson and like Danny Glover and like a bunch of those guys uh, from um, uh, Lakeith Stanfield is Darius in Atlanta, mm-hmm. and um, it is <laughs> it takes a real turn in the third act that is bananas, but it's a very good show. But anyway, there's a part where Tessa Thompson does an art show where she quotes from The Last Dragon, which is why I'm bringing that up. Anyway, go watch The Last Dragon and watch. Sorry to interrupt you, but that is and Atlanta. And Atlanta. Atlanta's amazing. That's an amazing show. It's all good. It's one of the rare shows that has an all-black writing cast. But, like, I, I was, as I was saying, it's cute. For Megatron says, for once, Starscream, we agree. And I was just like, oh, they should hug. Yeah, yeah I, I just paused it because I just noticed that there's, like, a sort of semi-embrace that yes. Megatron and Starscream share here. Yeah. I think making a gif where Megatron is just stroking Starscream's, Starscream's arm. arm. But at, uh, at this point... They're going to attack. Everybody's everybody is uh, sympathetic to that idea. We go back to Mount Saint Fuckshit, where the Autobots <laughs> are patiently waiting for the Cosmo uh, Cosmotron, whatever it is, and like the Gravitron. And, and and if they don't get it, all hope is lost. Right. We we find that the Decepticons are arising from the oceanic depths. They're flying towards Autobot headquarters and victory for that matter. Mm-hmm. I like this shot. Like it's a it's a cool shot. The Decepticons mm-hmm. flying. It's I mean static, but and then we get back to again where uh, I guess uh, robots can't talk whenever they're hurt because B is like acid also, rain a- disabled circuitry. Yeah. Also, acid rain isn't wet. Yeah, because clearly, because it's just electronic. I guess Chip is just you know not so, or just who fucking wants to animate wet water like water <laughs> a wet a wet chip. <laughs> I don't know why that was funny, but I appreciate the laughter. This is an iconic part where Chip reminds Bumblebee. Everybody, everybody's kind of like, "Ugh, this is over. We've lost." And and Chip says, "Disabled circuitry. No one's ever really disabled as long as he has courage." And that inspires the team to dig in. Trailbreaker emits a force shield to protect them from the acid rain. Blue Streak, he takes care of the Rainmakers and all their auto repair systems just fix them up. Why doesn't Optimus Prime have an auto repair system, by the way? It is presumably like where you have like the back to tanks in like a battlefront where they, they heal automatically. Did you have something to say about that line, Caleb? The 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 uh, nobody's really disabled as long as he has courage. I, I mean, obviously, it's a it's a very cool line that uh, that really kind of sums up the the whole overarching theme of Chip. Yes, being overcoming disability, uh, but saying it in a way where you know. He's not disabled, and he's not referring to himself. Yes, but, but yes, it's, because it's, it's a very it's, subtle it's a bumblebee thing. who yeah, talks about that's being right. disabled. I think it's a, a I think it's a really really nice way. Also, some I good, absolutely some agree. Good, some good writing there to get that theme in there and drive it home in a very mature way, but also in a very way, a good way that kids can understand it. And it's not being on the nose. It feels yes. like the eighties and into the nineties was like the very on the nose yes. messaging. Right. Like again. <laughs> Drugs, just say no. Drugs. Everything was always just about focusing on and the pointing disability. But this, he just adds value. Yes, yeah. and, and it's and it's a nice way of where they switch it on him. Where at that point, the Autobots are disabled. Yes, and he is 
not. Yes. And he is explaining something to them. Uh, it's a role reversal, but in a very tasteful and yeah, uh, it's a very and, subtle, very and, and well done way. So I have, to I say, love it. Good job. And it could have been a super corny line, and it just delivered so well by Michael Horton, and it it it's just it feels very again very earnest, and I love it. I love that line. The episode credit gets is goes to Donald F. Glut. Now, um, as has been stated by Ron Friedman in our interviews with him, he had rewriting mm-hmm. credit or, or yes. had over all of that. And having spoken to Ron Friedman and his, I mean, obviously he is a very inclusive guy, like being against discrimination of all sorts is a is a theme of his life i don't know that he gave that note but it feels like a very ron friedman-esque note let's write this character he's in a wheelchair but let's never talk about him being disabled because that's what everybody Could does right. Could be. and let's just make him be a contributor and it's, it's true for all the shit i get ron friedman yes he's very he's always been very about like all-inclusive no. of everybody. His messages are on point. Yes. Yeah. There. If you haven't seen the Ron Friedman, uh, they're not. It's not Patreon. It's like a GoFundMe. It was a Kickstarter or a Kickstarter for his book. Uh, go listen to that. It's, it's it's revealing in several ways. Rough. We can we can love and appreciate Ron Friedman and also uh, <laughs> some stuff is not age. He's an old old man. He's in his eighties. Yes, mid, mid to upper eighties. But he is sharp as a tack. Yep. It's not like he's, uh, good. he's very. Go smart. listen to Aaron's episode where he interviews Ron. <laughs> on the outside of a pool with yes, children, where children laughing screaming. and splashing in the background, which I'm sure he loved. Um, he did not bitch about it at all. No, oh, he's a professional. Everybody has stood up. They they feel pretty good about... Uh, mm-hmm. Feel good as new, actually. Yeah, which and, is weird. Okay. And uh, so they, they're going to transform and roll for the life yes. of Optimus Prime. <laughs> That's right. Let's do it. And it's Shockwave. The fools, they're back. They'll never oh, reach no. out as functional mechanisms, or, or they, they will. totally will. Yeah. Like, you're not... You, again, <laughs> he's just any... He is, like, the most trod upon. Yes. Like, everybody I can just get away with anything. He's so what's happening? A pushover. What's happening on screen is, you know, the Autobots got to get back to Earth yep. with the Cosmopolitan, and... Uh, they they smash through. Or they don't smash through. In the smashed, the pre-smashed hole. Yeah, they they go back through the hole they in made. Shockwave's penthouse. They come back, and Shockwave has just gotten done freeing his lonely reflector buddy. And these guys show up. Shockwave is disturbed. Also, by Ironhide is black in this uh, in that previous scene. Oh, interesting. Nice little animation error. I'm guessing they confused it with Trailbreaker. Mm-hmm. Autobots mm-hmm. get into the elevator. Elevator opens up. Sends their particles across the galaxy. Back to Earth. And they're back. And they're back. Shockwave's... I feel sorry for Shockwave. Well, I will say, as uh, foot fetish aficionado (laughs) Quentin Tarantino pointed out, I I quote this all the time, but the less one makes declarative statements, the less likely one is to look foolish in retrospect. I think that's a paraphrase of that. Uh That's from Four Rooms. But, like, Shockwave's like, they'll never make it back alive. Oh, shit. They made it back alive. (laughs) Yeah, he should have said, we've got to try to stop them. (laughs) Yes. I love I love this part where Sparkplug says I'm sorry, Spike. Sometimes nothing you do makes any difference. Optimus Prime, dead. Yeah, that was hard. <laughs> Which is some serious heavy existential crisis, but then in the TF wiki it says it's even funnier and crueler 
if the you in that sentence specifically refers to Spike. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the scene we're referring to, we're back at Earth, Autobot headquarters. Prime is on his way out of existence. Uh, Teletran 1 at this point alerts the team to a uh, rocking game of space invaders. Actually, no, they're just all, they're just being attacked by all the Decepticon forces. Kind of oh, up, I know? see. It, it's the graphic. It's the graphic. The Autobots are hopeless, crazed with sadness. Spike grabs Jazz's gun and heads towards the action. This is quite ridiculous. Inspired by the human boy's lunacy, the rest of the the Autobots join him for battle. Yeah, how fucking strong is Spike? I know. He couldn't pick up up Prime's gun earlier. Well, I gotta hand it to him again. Kind of ties in with the chip thing. You've got a human inspiring the Autobots. Also, they don't take him. it back away from him. They let him keep Jazz's gun. Mm-hmm. I w- if, he, if, if you saw a human pick up a, 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 an Autobot-sized gun, I wouldn't take it back from him. <laughs> but they're they're robots. Like They could just be like... And also, like, doesn't Jazz need his gun? Yeah, exactly. Hey, Spike. Be funny Give me back my gun. It's funny to see Jazz or nothing and just get shot. <laughs> <laughs> So oh, they uh, all are. They're ready. They're ready to rock. Which That's right. Arguably, is terrible. Like, why would you come out of your base? Like, well, be in a make base. them come in. Yes, it's and the, then shoot them off like the corridor, like the movie Three Hundred. It's the thought that counts. Outside the mountain, the Autobots are making their last stand. It's it's a pretty average action sequence, actually. There's a few good little shooting and punching scenes. Uh, we see yeah. Ravage tackle Spike, uh, Rumble. He creates some earthquakes to um, get Prowl and Sunstreaker this off the This was a question of mine, like, Rumble, do we ever, do we, do you remember, Aaron, do we ever see Frenzy or um, Buzzsaw in the series? I think you do see them both. Did we not see them in More Than Meets the Eye? I don't think so. I know you I feel see, like I would have called it I out. know you see Frenzy. And obviously you see him in the movie. Obviously uh, in the movie, But yeah. um, I feel like there is an appearance of Buzzsaw, but I feel like there's maybe but one. With with the toys, when you bought Soundwave, he came with Buzz, Buzzsaw. Mm-hmm. You have to fucking buy laser yeah. separately. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're like, fuck you. So I have, I have Buzzsaw. Mm-hmm. Which on the on the re-release is the same. Yeah, they, they, you get. Um, I think you get Buzzsaw and. Hang on. Oh, he's got. I thought you were gonna have to shit or something. What? You hear him like just drive away. Yeah, it's like this is the classic Simpsons. Simpsons, yes. The classic. So here's Soundwave. With Buzzsaw and Laserbeak comes with Frenzy and Ravage comes with Rumble. So you, yeah, so you gotta buy. They're like, we know who the the most popular characters are, and you gotta buy all this shit to get. Have everybody. you have you compared the looks of this to the, my actual real? I think it's identical. Soundwave. We're right now. We're looking at the reissues of the 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 uh, Rumble and Frenzy and. Ravage and Buzzsaw and Laserbeak like I mean, it's, Soundwave it's boxes. Legit. It's legit. I mean, it's like the boxes from our youth where they were encased in styrofoam, but uh, mm-hmm. but they uh, did a good job. They look awesome. I'm going to collect them all. I don't think I'm going to open them though. I think I, I just like the artwork. I like the I way they look. It, it does. Look, it does look great. This whole, it's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Oh, if I had only been smart enough when I was. But six, a, but six, a young and six years old to, <laughs> in the packaging. to be a young capitalist. Yeah. 
Well, Ravage, he gets ejected. He takes out Spike. Spike, He kind of yeah. tackles him here. Which, uh, they, this becomes a thing of Ravage and Spikes. <laughs> yeah, they are paired up quite a bit. Yep. Um, Sunstreaker and Prowl, they get rumbled off of their little station on a, on top of the mountain here. And then we've got... Um, uh, Sideswipe. Sideswipe. And he takes off. That's With really a weird, weird. like, flame, ch- chest flame power. Which Megatron just shoots, shoots him out of the air. Yeah. yeah. Duck hunting. Starscream <laughs> is worried at this point about the energy that the Decepticons are expending. And Megatron, tra- Megatron transforms and commands Starscream. Let's, like, let's end all this shit. That's where we see this um, <laughs> Ravage's pin spike and a beam of something that turns out to be, I guess, a special ability of Bumblebee's. Yeah, I think it is something that we saw. I, I Actually, what I think it is. So basically, Ravage is repelled by Bumblebee's headlights mm-hmm. is what happens. And I think it's a callback to a scene that was cut from More Than Meets the Eye episode where bees' headlights have repulsive powers. Okay. This sequence is really meant to do is to signal that, hey, the guys from Cybertron are back. Mm-hmm. They've got that Cosmotron with them. Starscream continues to fire on the Autobots from above. It sounds like uh, he should be firing Megatron. However, it shows him just kind of firing his mm-hmm. null rays. Either way, moments later, the Autobots are all covered in rumble, but... B and the crew have delivered the Cosmotron to Ratchet and Wheeljack. Megatron, at this point, laughs in glee at their victory, uh, the victory of the Decepticons. There's Autobot viscera just strewn all over the ground. They're fucked up. Megatron offers a challenge to anyone in the universe to test his might. Yeah, and I knew it was coming, but seeing Prime actually come back into the fight... Uh, it actually did kind of make make Give my goosebumps. Yeah, yeah, I tingled a little bit yeah. whenever he did. Megatron. There is one Megatron. I, Optimus Prime, challenge you. Optimus Prime, he lives. Our leader's back. He accepted your challenge, leader. The battle code requires you to engage him in combat alone. Then it's just. A- Prime is healed super fast. I I guess everything was done except for that Cosmotron. Megatron is bested in what I would have to say is a very silly fighting sequence. It is. Which includes Prime diving at Megatron, Megatron falling from a cliff and flailing while Prime shoots him in the chest, and Prime firing eyeball beams into Megatron's face. The weird thing is that that, that's a new power. It is also, though, like not the last time they will refer to one-on-one combat being like something that is a... that that Mm -hmm. you're forced to... uh, you it's have like to answer on- the call. Yeah, it's like an honor-like mm-hmm. thing. Megatron yields as Starscream smugly calls for retreat uh, with no uh, small amount of uh, schadenfreude, calls for Megatron to be brought with them for repairs, mm-hmm. and that's the end of the episode. <laughs> I hate the end of this episode because it ends with one of my most hated of tropes, which is everybody laughing. <laughs> You don't like that? Or no, no. I'm sorry. That's it how we end all of our episodes. I'm sorry. That's a different one. But it uh, that's not... I, I looked away from my notes. It's a different trope, which is, they're gone for now. 
But they'll be back. Oh, yeah. And I fucking yeah. hate that shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what's interesting is a trope can't exist until it's manifested several times. And I just think about the tropes that they invent. They basically invented these tropes as they were going. And it just became their template. But they're getting the, uh, these tropes are getting pulled from, obviously, from other yeah. things. From, in, sure, from other references sure. that the writers. Other cartoons, you know, other, other just, just tele- writing, classic writing, television. Yeah. yeah. Although, I mean, I remember, like, there's a lot of Shakespearean plays where they end, like... Frozen, laughing. Like, or... uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or are thee. (laughs) I bite my thumb at you, sir. Hey, you know, now that the episode's ended, let's get into the real world for a little bit. In the real world. So, this episode aired on October 20th, 1984, which was a Saturday. Once again, uh, the song I just called "Say I Love You." Oh yeah, it's a good one by Stevie Wonder. He's still rocking. Was it. The, in the, the number one of the top forty, and we'll, we'll cut to Kasem. Hello, listeners. I'm Casey Kasem. As if it weren't bad enough that the facile, fathead fucks of the APDC use left-hand path sex magic to summon my immortal soul for commentary on a D-list podcast. They've recently taken to shamelessly inserting my hallowed American Top 40 radio show into their In the Real World segment. Well, the joke is on these show-me-state slobs, because the fun-sized one couldn't even find the audio from the week of October 20th, 1984. And you know what? I'm not going to tell you who it was. I'm not going to tell you who was at the top. Because fuck these... The the tiny one, he already said it. He said who it was. And they and they left it in. Okay. Uh, okay. Well everything is terrible. <laughs> I fucking hate this. I fucking hate this. Um awesome. the number one movie is still teachers. <laughs> On the cover of TV Guide, Daniel J. Travanti, Sophia Loren, and Edward Ponty in Aurora by Night, which I never heard of, is an Italian made-for-TV movie. Italian filmmakers, especially in the 70s and, like, 80s, they just made movies with, a, like, they ADR'd everything, which was like they would get, like, German, American, uh, Italian... Any actor, it didn't matter. They were just like just speaking your normal language, well, was, and they dubbed it later. That, that's a that's a huge thing with the original spaghetti westerns. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, I think there was a there's you know like Clint Eastwood. Sorry, I'm just yeah. I no, agree they with you. they were known like, for it. Like the original, like the original um, Clint Eastwood movie. Good, bad, ugly. There's good, bad, ugly. Yeah, it's all filmed in Spain. Yes, and so yeah. So, yes, and I agree with you. It's like the movie Demons, the movie Troll 2 is similar. Uh, Troll- was it filmed in Spain or Italy? It was filmed in Spain, even though he was Italian. The, the landscape... But they it, call them spaghetti westerns, not because of where they were filmed, because the rather filmmakers. because of Sergio Leone. That's right. Okay. The, the, the landscape of Spain better matched the the iconic U.S. Mm-hmm. West. It's the closest thing they could get in the area mm-hmm. that they were. So, yeah, it was fil- they were filmed in Spain, even though they have an Italian director mm-hmm. based in the U.S. West. It's crazy. <laughs> the, this is a wild... They are, I and, would have loved to... And they are fucking awesome yeah. movies. Oh, they absolutely. So, and they're all... And I should mention that the storylines and a lot of this... And a lot of this... The way that the pacing is and the way the writing works 
and the plot lines are actually based on Akira Kurosawa's yes, yes. Um, uh, Japanese uh, or the Seven Samurai. Yeah, so you've got a Japanese inf- you got Japanese cinematography and writing and directing, influencing an Italian who is filming the movies in Spain, in Spain. About <laughs> using US, all different US kinds of westerns, and it works. And I don't know how many times I've seen. Either a deliberate reference or just an uh, a not uh, an homage that is not uh, necessarily trying to wink at you about it. But so many movies just straight up rip off the plots and pacing of those movies. Like there's, it, it's. I mean, Akira Kurosawa's movies were so iconic and mm-hmm. so good that they were ripped, quote unquote, ripped off by a lot of people. <laughs> Uh, because steal from the best. Well, and also, also it was easy. It was easy to introduce things into uh, other markets where people hadn't seen seen them because they're in Japanese markets. Mm-hmm. So it was easy enough to it was easy to rip them off and not necessarily get quote unquote uh, caught. It's kind of like in the Lion two, King. Not to yeah, well, well, there, it's it's not also kind of like in the two thousands where uh, America just was like oh. All these Asian horror movies are super good. Let's remake them. Right. Not like The Ring. And also, I think, also it boils down to no one really gives a shit if it's yeah. a ripoff or not. They don't. And, and it's true. Nobody does. And I will say, though, if you, I, don't, I don't consider uh, Sergio Leone ripping off Akira Kurosawa. No, no. no he, I, he, he was inspired. He's just using and, themes and from he, it. And he does it really well. Yeah. So, and yeah. And now they're almost like... Um, are they tropes? Yeah, some of them will be. I mean, yeah. What is that movie, the Bruce Willis movie, that is basically The Seven Samurai, which is basically Good, Bad, and the Ugly, where he's in... He, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, where uh, it's, it's, a, it's a Western. Era. Yes. Or is it a Western? Yeah, it's more... Or is it more Prohibition But It's, era? it's like yeah. Prohibition era, but like he, mm-hmm. he's a gun fighter and... Well, yeah, it's nowhere. basically a fistful of dollars. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I know what you're talking so, about. Anyway, yeah, back. Oh, oh. Thank you. back, back, back. Well, so this Italian made-for-TV movie... I read the Wikipedia and I didn't do any other research because it's so funny to me. It the pl- like the summary and the plot sounds like they were written by two completely different people who watch completely different movies, and the plot seems like it was written by a non-native speaker. Nice. So, in 1984, Italian made-for-television tele- drama directed by Maurizio Pozzi and starring Sofia Loren, Ed- Eduardo Ponti, and Daniel J. Travanti. In order to raise money for their operation for an operation for her son, a woman tells various former wealthy lovers that they are his father. The film originally premiered in the United States on NBC on October 21st, 1984, and was released theatrically in Italy on January 17th, 1985. Here's the plot. A desperate woman, Lauren, in crisis and poverty, is in search of the cruel husband, Norit, who abandoned after giving her a son. The boy has now become almost an adult and has a serious eye problem and is likely to become completely blind. The mother then chose to give, to leave, (laughs) I'm sorry, it's hard to read, to leave to go in search of his father, who in the meantime is starting a new life. When the mother finds out where he is, also learns that the cruel man has remade a family by marrying a young girl. (laughs) Who becomes the mother of a twenty-year-old son who has had the cruel man from another relationship? This is, this is <laughs> wow, that was—it's that was, so 
hard to read. Anyway, that's the... That was what was happening on TV Guide at the time. Yes, and I have no trivia. I couldn't find anything good. So that was what was happening in the real world. Here's your here's your trivia. Okay. Last, Last Man Standing was the name. Last of Man the Standing, movie. thank was you. Was the name of the Bruce thank Willis you, movie Aaron. for trying to uh, figure out. Desperately there. trying to find. <laughs> um, guys, let's rate the scheme. All right. I'll, I'll go first. You go first. You I do g- it. I give it a 6 out of 10. I like the quote-unquote strategy of letting Autobots go to Cybertron to set them up for, you know, a, a death that maybe they don't expect. But I can't give it that much credit because they didn't tell Shockwave what was up. Right. They could have just killed them on Earth. They had yeah. the advantage. They didn't have to let... But I, I like the idea that there is at least some semblance of strategy happening. Mm, I gave it a three. Okay. <laughs> because it's exactly the same scheme as the last episode we just watched, except poorer. Because at least it was antimatter, and this one they're just like we're just gonna steal some power. And actually, what did they even steal? There, there, there really was there a, <laughs> was there a scheme in this episode? No, there really wasn't. The Autobots were trying to work with a weapons plant to make weapons. They just needed to destroy that weapons plant. End of scheme. But, but their scheme worked. They got the energon transported to. Uh, I guess Cybertron. that's true. Yeah. That's, that's true. never addressed again. Like I'll bump it up. I'll right. give it a that, four. That, that worked. It just so happens that the Decepticons managed to fuck up Optimus Prime, which is really the plot of this thing, right. is like hmm. kill Optimus Prime. And so they so did. They had the chance to do it. They there's didn't do it. two schemes. One of them worked. They got the Energon from that plant. That's a perpetual it, scheme, but yeah. And, and they mm-hmm. got it to Cybertron. Mm-hmm. Then, then they became a second scheme, which was to kill Optimus, and of course that failed just because of some weird oversights. <laughs> I don't blame Sh- I don't blame Shockwave. I have, obviously, blame he Shockwave. has some sort of lack of control over this space bridge. He's a bystander. Yeah, they, they right. come in and out. I Shockwave's I one goal is to calculate astroseconds. Yes, <laughs> he does true. that pretty well. And and I would say to the closest denominator, but there are no denominators in the Decepticon has, math language. Has Chip saved them for two episodes now in a row? He got, a, yeah, he got him Is into Chip the, the I actual think Chip, hero here. I think Chip uh, plays pretty heavily in the next episode as well. He's just like saving everybody left and right. I like how they they brought this. They're your human characters that you're supposed to connect with, Spike and Sparkplug. Who do nothing. Who do nothing, and they need to bring in a new guy who actually <laughs> adds value. <laughs> yes. All and right. Later, Carly, who actually does add value as well. <laughs> like, Don't remember. Don't spoil it for I me. I won't. Wait for it. Okay. I, let's get to our... So there wasn't really a ton. This was written by Donald F. Glutt uh, on June 21st, 1984, revised by Mr. Ron Friedman on uh, June 29th, 1984. Um, So since there wasn't a ton, I wanted you to read the, I want, not you to read, me to read. I'll read it. I'll do it. You wanted us to listen. Yes, you listen to me. Directly. I wanted to read the French uh, theme song translation because this is where, like, we get our actual name of the Cosmotron from. Um, Okay. Four million years ago, the Autobots, sophisticated robots, left the planet Cybertron, which was ruled by Megatron. They have to... They have chosen to land on Earth in hopes of conquering the universe, which presumably refers to the Autobots (laughs) in the context of this, Mm -hmm. like, grammar... Um, they are the kings of transformation. The Autobots, car, truck, robots. It is war for survival, conquer, energy, dominate the stars. In the struggle of the heavens, the evil or the good, who will be the winners? 
To the absolute power, the Decepticons are determined to seal the antimatter formula of Professor Alcazar on Earth. But determined to stop this evil, Optimus takes his starship to attack his enemies just in time. So this is a French translation? This is the French translation of the lyrics for the American theme. His Cosmotron crosses galaxies. That's it. <laughs> okay. So there's... Okay, I don't. I still don't understand what this is. It's the Prince translation of the words to the Transformers theme song. So it'd be more But like, in the theme song, they refer to Dr. Alcazar, who was in the last episode, and the Cosmotron that is in this episode. Yes. And then that's it. They don't refer to any other episode. This is, yes. So it'd be more like four million years ago, the Autobots' sophisticated robots left the planet Cybertron, which was ruled by Megatron. Yes, thank you. I couldn't do it. I couldn't make it work. They have chosen to land on Earth. In hopes of conquering the universe, they are the kings of transformation, the Autobots, car truck robots. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes, exactly. It is weird. It is weird. All right, there you go. Something like that. Ah. Mmm, it is different. I love it. I'm, I left out some refrains. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't touch it. It's pretty sweet. Very disco. Anyway, I got that information from the TF Wiki. So if, I, I'm, if I'm wrong, go with the TF Wiki. Alright, I love that a lot. Alright guys, let's get to our... We can. I am the ghost of the iconic moment. <laughs> you know. I'll take it. I'm gonna take it. Oh, it's uh, Caleb's it's gonna take be, it. It's gotta be chips. Chips line. It's true. Nobody is uh, disabled as long as they have courage. That's that is. I think that's that nails it. Cosign. I I cosign as well. But I had originally written down just the concept of the rainmakers, even though I don't know that we ever see them again. I don't think in so. The G1 canon. They have become this sort of. Uh, cult mm-hmm. set of yeah. figures. In fact, like uh, the this figure here, all of the I've got the siege, siege thundercracker in front Cybertron. of me, which will complete my siege uh, uh, collection of seekers that transform into the uh, tetrajets. Know, the tetrajets, but they are releasing a special edition that has just all the rainmakers in a nice. box set. And every time you come out with a masterpiece version of Starscream, you have the you know they recolor into the rain. Yeah, yeah, it's a retool. Not even so, a retool. Uh, or no, not even a remold. Recolor. Yeah, recolor. recolor. Hey, we know words. Hey, hey, I have a segment. Oh, well, proceed. <laughs> what is it? <laughs> I was, so I put a segment together because sometimes Ryan will listen to music and he either doesn't like it or. He doesn't understand if it's music or not. And he's like, is this music? So I put together a little segment called, is this music? So I want to put Ryan through a test. Okay. Where I'm going to have him listen to sections of uh, the introductions to songs, or maybe they're not songs, and have him guess if it's actually music or not. Okay. All right. How could it not be songs? (laughs) What? Well, like let's, ja- that's a jackhammer. Let's find out. All right. So I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna start you off easy here. Okay. And say if you say music or not music. Okay. okay. Well, that is music. Starting e- starting easy here. That's Which obviously. Which I enjoy. I like the song. 
Yeah, guy. that's obviously uh, Dean Martin. Ain't that a kick in the head? So it's a great song. Starting off easy. I have that CD. Starting off easy, but uh, gonna gonna go. Okay, it's on the swingers soundtrack. Off the, uh, it's the, it's uh, true. Deep end, pretty. Probably why I have pretty it. quickly here. I'm just you know, so let's see. I mean, it is music, isn't it? <laughs> you've got to got to tell me one way or another. Uh, uh, yeah, it's music. Okay, good guess. It is good. It is music. That movie. That sh- that song's called Fold Four Rap Five by a band called Audiker. It's. I hate it. Audiker. <laughs> by the way, Audiker was my jam in college. Oh, that sounds like Caleb yeah. College. Yeah, yeah, that was my he, college. He was in art school. Right, moving right, <laughs> moving right, moving right along. Oh God. Well, this just sounds like a cat on a piano. Well, is it? I'm gonna cat? say this is not music. There's rhythm, but there was. You say it's not music. It's not music. This is music. This is a. a this is a. Um, damn it. This is a. Uh, <laughs> this is actually called sonatas and interlude for prepared Ooh. piano by uh, contemporary composer John Cage. Oh, Ryan, uh, Aaron, are you keeping score here? So we've got. Uh, <laughs> He's two, two for two, two for now. three. Yeah. yeah. Or two. Yeah. Two and one. All right. Let's move on. Uh. Oh God. That's not music. That is called Manzaraiku. It's Kyoto Imperial Court music. God, is that Jap- Japanese? Oh yes, that's Japanese. Right, now just now you're two and two, and two and two. Okay, two two for four. Uh, all right, I'm gonna introduce. I want to help you. So you're two for two. I'm gonna give you a little palate cleanser here. Thank you. Um, let's see. Is it from the Last Dragon? <laughs> It is not. Uh, obviously, we all know that Ryan really only likes music if it's coming through like a movie. <laughs> it's or it's some true. Of, it's accompanying some of visual kind motion of, um, media. Right. <laughs> Hello, my dear friends. Well, here I am on record at last. And it feels so wonderful to be is here with Tim? on my first album. It is Tiny Tim. <laughs> this is music. Ah, very good. Well, that on that we can agree. Three and two. And the reason I know that is because Tiny Tim was in a, a terrible horror movie mm-hmm. th- that whose name I can't remember. <laughs> All right, that was your palate cleanser. Okay, here we go. Here we dig a little deeper here for you. So. Oh, it's not music. Once again, that is music by uh, my college jam, Autiker. Jesus Christ, that sounds like an accident. Three and three. <laughs> like, it, just, you're doing, it sounds like a number you're, station. You're actually doing worse than I thought you would. All right, here, moving right along. Are these all music? Well, I'll say this is music. This is music. Are you saying that just because you're just hoping that they're all music and you're trying to guess luckily? I'm, I'm really lost at this point. I'm going to say this is music. Uh, again, I think you were guessing there, but it is, in fact, music from Metal Machine. It's terrible It's music. Lou Reed's album, Metal Machine Music. I hate that it. That song is 16 minutes long. Well, <laughs> you it hear, should be zero You want to hear what it sounds like? No, at, I don't want to hear like, what it sounds like at all. I here's, do, what it sounds like I at the, here's what it sounds like at the eight-minute mark. 
Oh, it's just noise. And here it is at the 13 minute mark. Oh, just noise. Okay. Got it, got it, got All it. Right, just so noise. Where are we at, Aaron? Just garbage noise. Uh, four and three. All right. How many of these are there? There's 15. All right, what? Next one. I don't have that many fingers. No, it's not music. That's right. That's actually the sound of a locomotive. It's right. better than the last song. Moving right along. Hang on a minute. 15? We're almost halfway through. Actually, we're, like, we're, we're way over halfway through. Choose two more. <laughs> no. 15's I, too many. No. All right, here we go. Here's the next one. That's not music. Once again, I'm tripping up. That's Autiker again. That's music. All right. Four and five. I feel like it maybe should be like five songs. This seems like a lot. Fifteen is a lot. Is this a washing machine? That is actually the sound of a washing machine. <laughs> Good job. Good job. All right. Uh, here's a palate cleanser. Five and five again. Here's a palate cleanser for you. Music or not music? I'm in the mood to move to the left three feet, goddammit. <laughs> I guess it's music. I guess it's music. <laughs> Just stop it. Yeah. That's, uh, that is Ween. I'm in the mood to move. That is music. I don't like it. I mean, I've not liked any of this. To be oh, yeah. fair, there's only four left to four. go, Ryan. <laughs> that's not music. Again, that is music that is from the Kyoto Imperial Court. That's Jap- Japanese. It's really Japanese. interesting. I can't believe you would say that is not music. Like, what did you think it was if not music? Just noise. Okay. This is, I find this fascinating. All right, here we go. There is, but you can tell oh. if it's purposeful or not. Yeah, but of course it's going to sound like music. i got to reset this. But I'm like, the things you've picked that were not music that you were right about definitely did not, weren't purposeful. Oh, I like this. This is music. I like this. This is Michael Jackson's song, Have You Seen My Childhood? I have to I have to listen to Michael Jackson privately Wait. in my basement because it's not allowed in my house. All right, here we go. But... <laughs> I don't... I don't think it's music. You gotta, you gotta give up. It's not music. You're you right. That's the sound of an electric fan. I thought it was a leaf blower. Final one. Last one. Not music. Not music is right. That's the back. <laughs> to remind me that it's not music. It's never, never music. So what was the total tally? Twist. How do you do it? Uh, the score of uh, three, or I'm sorry, eight that he got right and seven oh, that he got wrong. Jesus. Jesus. It's a coin flip. <laughs> I will say for the next segment, the if you want to do this again, I, I'll, like less, five or less songs. Fine. fine. I'll, I'll, I'll. I feel like he... It didn't take that long. It's, I can't imagine that's entertaining for anybody. But that Nickelback punchline was, was solid. 
I think that's going to be entertaining for a lot of people. Okay, okay. I, just because you didn't enjoy it, Ryan, at all. I guess it's true, it's true, it's true. enjoy true. watching you it, suffer. It's, <laughs> it's built for you to hate it. Yeah. I guess that's it true. It really is. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, thank you for entertaining me. Well, all right, I guess that wraps up this episode. Um, you know, uh, we've still got that ACDC store out there. ACDC? AC yeah! Yeah! That was struck! You will... Yeah. Starscream would be a good front man for ACDC. Oh, that's a pretty good idea. There's something there. There is something there. Let's, let's keep toying with that. All right. Um, we've got the Cup Recruitment poster by Mr. Ryan Jett, pin series by Ryan and me. Uh, go check them out. Of course, we've got the Patreon. Go <laughs> check that out at a patreon.com. His brain is fried from listening to all that yeah, music and non-music. A pod de- God damn it. <laughs> Patreon.com slash A pod And of course, uh, you know, continue to listen to the show. Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, iTunes review iTunes abusers, leave a uh, review for us. Five stars, please. And there's our social media at APODDCast, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and of course the web presence, our mm-hmm. home base, autopoddecepticast.com. Brian, what yeah. do you want to do? I'm, I'm going to put music up there. <laughs> oh. I'm going to move to the left three feet. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, people, shop, check the merch, Patreon. Bye, everybody. Bye, bye, bye. bye. I give it a six. <laughs> <laughs>
is the sponsor of Autopod Decepticast. Yes, 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 yes.